Hi there, welcome to this workshop on taking advantage of international ranking schemes. So um, these are being recorded. They'll go up on my website uh, and on my YouTube channel as well as on my podcast. So if there is um, something that you would like to say or that might be identifying others or other parties, just bear that in mind. Uh, but there will be emails that go out after this to let you know what has been recorded and you'll get a chance to see and view everything before before it goes live if there's something but in terms of making the most of this in terms of making the most of your presence here today i strongly encourage you to turn on your video and turn on your mic so that you can participate and at the very least if you have a question or something like that um, open up your mic and ask the question it'll make for a much more interactive presentation you'll get a lot more out of it um, if you participate than if you just um watch from the sidelines so um, in some respects, I think university ranking schemes have turned into a bit of a, um, a bit crassly, but they've turned into a bit of a pissing contest. You know, people think about them, their, their ranking scheme as being better than others or their ranking approach as being better than others. And then of course, universities themselves, they like to promote how well they do in different ranking schemes and universities will pick and choose what ranking schemes they put forward into the marketplace as to um, what ones they think are important because obviously they're going to be ranked higher on the ones that they um, that they publish. So, you know, I've definitely seen universities choose different schemes to promote um, one year compared to the next, basically because um, the, the, the first one was what, when they performed best and then the next time the second one was when they performed best. So don't, um, I guess, bear that in mind in terms of ranking schemes, universities will definitely uh, pick and choose the ones that they promote, but they're probably going to pay attention to four uh, main ones. Has anyone here um, had any kind of experience with ranking schemes other than kind of know that they exist? No. Uh, in terms of what we'll cover today, it'll be relatively quick and brief. We've only got 45 minutes. So if you want more information, I strongly encourage you to connect with me um, on LinkedIn. That's where I mainly hang out. But um, obviously, if you want to connect with me, or if you're already connected with me on LinkedIn, I'd love if you connected with me on um, Twitter or Instagram or even join my Facebook group if that's something that you um, wanted to participate there as well. There we're looking to really share our experiences of what it's like um, post PhD in all of its different forms, both academic and non. Um, so in terms of the ranking schemes that the universities care about, there are four uh, main ones. Um, and so generally speaking in Australia, you'll see the Times Higher Education Ranking, which is also abbreviated to THE. There's the academic ranking of world universities called AWU, also referred to as Shanghai rankings because of where it came from and where it um, started. There's Quackerelli Simmons called um, QS, and then there's US News. Um, and so both the Times Higher Education and US News stem from um, newspapers. Um, the other two are essentially rankings that are um, based uh, actually rankings that exist purely because they are ranking uh, systems. Initially, uh, QS and Times were one system and then due to differences around the way the 
that QS wanted to head in the way Times wanted to head. They've now split into being separate ranking systems, but they started out working together. Initially, ranking systems were about um, education choice. So US News is probably the oldest ranking system. It's been going, I think, in, since the 90s, maybe even the 80s. And it was all about, like I said, student choice. So US News published rankings of US universities, looking at um, things that might matter to individual students. Um, and then more recently, um, the Shanghai rankings, the AWU rankings came about from China because the Chinese government wanted to benchmark Chinese universities against international universities and work out how they could um, improve in the perception uh, amongst you know, the world population or the student population. And so trying to improve um, their performance relative to other international universities. But now university ranking schemes are used for all sorts of things. So uh, migration policies now often include something related to university rankings. And the most common is um, that countries or institutions are saying if the university you're coming from or going to isn't in the top, let's say 500 universities, um, then it can be harder to migrate, uh, particularly to get things like skilled migration visas. And this can sometimes be independent of your academic track record or the, the person's academic track record. Um, they're still used for student selection and they're still used by government. So again, international um, granting schemes are now using rankings and basically saying, if you're partnering with an international university, we want that university to be in the top 500 of such and such ranking scheme. Uh, and finally, what I have seen more and more is social media influences that give advice to people around um, what universities to go to or, you know, life kind of advice. They're increasingly saying, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what university to choose, choose something in the top 100, um, make the decision easy, limit your choices to those universities only. So that it's increasingly important outside the initial starting points for um, uh ranking schemes. Are there any questions on that? I'm going to assume no. Um, in terms of how different disciplines are treated in general, ranking schemes tend to focus more on the STEM disciplines than the humanities and social science disciplines. And the main reason for that is about the collectability of the data. For whatever reason, science, uh, STEM discipline journals in particular uh, tend to have a lot more metrics around citations and citation management, which is um, only growing um, in, its, in its infancy in humanities and social science. There's also other things around employability that for whatever reason has been a stronger focus in the STEM fields than the humanities and social sciences field. Um, in terms of the indicators themselves, so if you limit ourselves just to those four that I've talked about, the Times Higher Education, um, the ranking of academic ranking of world universities, Quackerelli Simmons and US News, these are this table shows all of the different um, indicators that are used to come to build each of the rankings. And the ones that are really important are the ones that are uh, in blue or in green. So they're in, if they're in blue, that means that something similar is used across three out of the four schemes, or in some case, four out of the four schemes. And if they're in green, it means that that's a, that's, um, a high proportion of the overall rank for that individual indicator for that um, 
for that ranking scheme. So if you have a look, for example, at um, citations, you can see all schemes use some form of citation uh, metric. And you can see for Times Higher Education, 30% of the entire score is based on citations. If you can, for AWU, it's um, broken in two, but it's still in total, it adds up to 40% of the total ranking, 20% uh, for highly cited, 20% for um, indexed in a science citation. Um, for QS, it's a little bit less, it's 20% but you can see that the reputational survey is 40% and we'll go into some of what these are. And then for US news, you can see it's citations is broken down into lots of little components, but together I think that adds up to 50% um, of the total rank for US news is citation related. Um, so this might be something uh, useful to bear in mind as, if, as you're trying to leverage ranking schemes to your advantage. Are there any questions about these schemes in this table? So what do I think you should do in response to this? There's um, four things that I recommend you should do. The first thing is to know that, like I sort of already said, five out of the 16, um, five out of the 16 uh, metrics uh, are used across um, many of the uh, metrics themselves. And also these comprise somewhere between 20 and 50% of the actual total rank. So you don't need to spread all of your activity across all 16 metrics. Really there might only be five to focus on. And so, like I said, um, that's the five in um, the larger text here. So the staff to student ratio, reputational survey, research productivity, citations, and international domestic staff ratio. So again, some of these you can't do much about as an individual. So you probably can't do anything about the staff student ratio as an individual, and you probably can't do anything about the international domestic staff ratio as an individual. Um, but there still might be some things that you can do. So for example, obviously, um, if you're in charge of a department, you can manage some of these ratios. If you are involved in hiring or recruitment, you can manage some of these ratios, but knowing that these things are measured by the ranking schemes might also help you work out, well, do we want to get more students? Should we get another staff member in as well? And again, you might not have full control over that, but it is still worth knowing. So the first thing to do is to maintain good research and good teaching productivity. So all, most of these indicators in some way relate to teaching or research. Um, but the ones here have a more direct relationship to um, teaching and research. So there's a reputation survey. So that a couple of the ranking schemes use um, for teaching, but, but three of them use a reputational survey for research. Has anyone heard of that before? Would anyone like me to explain a bit more about the surveys and how they work? Yep, cool. So the, the surveys are, um, so this is really, this is really interesting to me that we have um, the, the data collectors, so Times, Corelli, et cetera, they all write to the universities and ask them for data. And some of the data or some of the information that they ask for is, um, can you give us a list of people that we can survey about your um, university? And so for some of the, um, for some of the 
ranking schemes, they survey employers. For some of the ranking schemes, they survey collaborators. For some of the ranking schemes that they survey students, but ultimately the list of people to survey is initially populated by asking the university for a list of names and then they then send out the survey. Generally speaking, the, uh, each university is asked to provide about 400 names every year and that list of 400 names goes on a, ro uh, on a roster that um, is rotated through every three years. So essentially your university provides 1200 names on a rolling three year basis for survey. Um, and increasingly they're saying you can't provide a name again. So not just inside that three years, but overall you can't continue to provide the same people. And those, uh, those surveys then ask the, participants what they think, not of your university, not of the university that nominated them, but of, um, you know, research, teaching, etc. in general around all world universities. So there are some survey respondents who indicate, for example, that certain universities are excellent in teaching or research, but have zero experience of their teaching or of their research. They've just heard of them. Um, and so that's some of the things that you might have to deal with um, as a lower ranked university. Um, so then the survey, then the ranking scheme, then will aggregate these results and standardize them. They fit generally results are fit to some kind of normal curve and, and um, everyone is given a score, generally speaking out of a hundred, and then you'll get your ranking from there. So sometimes the difference between the first university and the second university might be um, 0.1 out of a hundred, but um, they'll be ranked obviously one and two, or they could even be more closely ranked. There's also some evidence to suggest that the top 100 universities are um, relatively steady and everything after that it it, it is um, quite random in terms of how universities move and everything like that so there is some there is a quite a large amount of variability um, and again these reputational surveys are trying to get a qualitative understanding of how a university performs so generally speaking the surveys don't talk about individuals but they might um, the person who responds might think of an individual experience. Uh, again, in terms of when you put someone forward to be surveyed, now some of the um, ranking schemes are asking for um, proof or evidence that that person is okay with being put forward. So it's a bit like being a referee on a on a um, on a resume or a referee on a, on a grant or something like that. They've been, you know, they have knowledge that they're being put forward as someone to be surveyed. Um, in terms of, so then, like I said, being keep maintaining good teaching and good research is really important to how you can continue to manage your, um, your performance in against these ranking schemes as an individual and citations is one of the, the strongest things that you can do. Um, but being a good teacher is also important. So I guess the first takeaway message for me around managing your performance within a, a ranking scheme is continue to do good teaching and continue to do good research. The next thing that I think you should do if you're either being managed or you manage other people is to align the goals that you have for individuals or the goals that you have for yourself to these ranking schemes. So I think a lot of KPIs 
tend to focus on you know individual performance and individual growth, which is really great. But if you don't align it to these ranking schemes, and you can find sometimes they shift in different directions. A good example of that potentially is um, the various ratios around teaching and research. Um, from my understanding, things like the um, academic excellence in research, the, the uh, academic research excellence survey run by the Australian Research Council. Um, you know, if you have lots of teaching academics, that can potentially increase the number of staff you have at your university, which can then bring down your average research performance. Whereas if you look at these ranking schemes, student to staff ratio is really important. And so those two things are kind of in competition. So the Australian assessment of research quality versus an international ranking scheme don't necessarily line up. And you need to make sure that as an individual, if you have control over your KPIs, that you align them to things that your university's ultimately going to be measured against or measured with. Um, has anyone got experience of KPI setting or management? Cool. So um, there's about 13 of these measures could potentially relate to um, relate to KPI setting and goal management. And I think knowing what these are and how they relate to your individual performance is particularly important. Um, the next thing that I think is important is um, to participate when you're asked to. So I think early on in a lot of these ranking schemes, the universities, like I said, they're asked to provide um, people for survey. And if you're not being asked or you don't see these requests come out, you, it might be worth you investigating how they are conducted at your university. Um, there might be a case that they don't ask the researchers for um, people to be surveyed. Uh, it might be that they think that they have enough, or it might be that your department or your school decides to find out that who to survey and they, you know, ultimately don't come to you or don't ask you. Um, so I think it's worth knowing. I think it's also worth knowing who your collaborators are both you know industrial collaborators or other research collaborators um you know if you teach who where do your students end up working if you teach uh where are your students doing some of their work integrated learning or work placements or clinical placements uh, those entities could be good survey respondents as well and again talking to your those people that you're going to put forward regardless of whether that's what the ranking scheme wants is a useful way of um setting them up for success, setting them up to respond to the survey in a way that is more favorable to you and your university than they might otherwise respond. Um, so even though there are only two out of 16 indicators, um, reputational survey, depending on the, um, the ranking scheme, makes up 20 to 40% of the overall score. So it's really important that you help manage this. Um, has anyone ever been involved in this at all or seen this or is aware of this? No. Well, so it might be worth reaching out to your, um, if you do, if you do a search of your university webpage for international ranking, you'll probably find a fair bit of information. A lot of universities now are, are at least got a page about ranking schemes to help educate the public about why they might be putting forward their ranking one scheme over another. Um, and the universities increasingly have 
um, at least one person, but, but in some cases, teams of people devoted to understanding the data and managing the data that they provide to the rankings organisations. The final thing, so that, that's three things so far. So do good research and teaching, participate in the data collection activities, um, and um, make sure your KPIs align to what's important for ranking schemes. Um, the final thing is to not be afraid to shop around. So one of the things that I was astounded by when I looked into this is that there are researchers and universities that shop around for universities and researchers that could boost their ranking scheme. So there are people out there that know that they have a positive influence on their university's ranking scheme. And that primarily is through citations, but it's also to, through things like um, that they learned at a university and ended up, you know, getting a Nobel prize or they themselves got a Nobel prize. Like, and I'm assuming no one on this call has got a Nobel prize. So that might not be you, but you might've got other awards that are taken into consideration by these ranking schemes. And so you can potentially use that to your advantage. Um, again, if you're going to an international university, then that will positively influence the international to domestic staff ratio. Um, you might find that um, your research productivity um, is particularly good and you know how that in influences. So that's things like publications, grants, etc. Um, you might have worked really well with your um, potential collaborators and you know that their survey results are useful. Um, you might have one particularly good or strong grants. Um, you might have a good number of students that you can bring with you. So don't be afraid if you're going for a, a new role at a new university to look into how you might perform on these ranking schemes and all of the information about how ranking schemes calculate their scores is available on their websites. Um, so if you know that you perform well in a particular scheme or that you'll, your, some of your outputs um, positively influence a, a score, then it's definitely worth shopping around um, at universities for this. This is, um, a, I've definitely seen this happen with um, our Asian neighbours, but I've not seen, I've not heard of um, individual Australian universities do this. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It's just not as overt as what I've seen elsewhere. Are there any questions around um, that, around shopping around or being shopped around for universities? Um, that's everything that I wanted to cover around ranking schemes and making the most of them. Like I said, if you want to know a lot more about ranking schemes, um, the first thing that you might do is go and check out on my website. Last week, we went through each of the ranking schemes and some of the data they collected. Uh, we also had a bit of a chat about um, what was useful and what was um, not so useful from an uh, inside a university and outside a university perspective. And that might give you some further ideas on how you can leverage the ranking schemes. Like I said, each ranking scheme website has heaps of information about how they are calculated. So my, if you are still interested after going through the other webinar, I would um, encourage you to have a look at the individual ranking websites. Just pick one, it doesn't matter which one and have a look at how they're calculated and you know perhaps um, assess yourself if that's something that you're interested in doing to see how you'd perform um, there. 
um, if you're interested in working on, you know, developing your own academic skills or experience, um, I'm running a 12 month group coaching that starts or it started last week. It's still not too late to join. So if you're interested in doing that, just type in, um, coaching or send me an email and we can arrange a chat about joining that coaching group. If you're not really sure what coaching is or how it might help you, um, don't be afraid to ask that question as well. I'm happy to do a complimentary coaching session so you can see how that might be useful to you. Um, if you're interested in writing a publication before the end of the year, um, definitely get in touch. Um, I'm writing a um, no ranking websites and not only for universities only, you can go and easily find um, the ranking schemes and they'll, it's all available publicly. I can get access to how de the detail that they go into. Um, if you're looking to get something done before the end of the year, like publish an article, I'm doing a 12 week course on writing your article. So please um, come and join that if you're interested. Um, and again, if, if you're not quite sure, send me an email or write into the chat um, and I'll get in touch with you, write journal article or whatever in the chat and I'll um, get in touch with you about joining that. Um, I'm also doing a similar course about writing your thesis in 15 weeks or less if you're still um, in the PhD writing phase. I've got some LinkedIn programs as well that, that might be interested if you want to do industry engagement all today. We're mainly talking about ranking schemes. Um, and then if you're interested in learning more about anything to do with um, research and you know being a good researcher, I run workshops like this every week. Um, and we cover a range of things next week. So we're going to look at doing more with grant money than the week after looking at social media. Then I'm doing some stuff just for the Melbourne school of um, psychological sciences. Uh, and then there's also a couple of weeks off there, but there's plenty of stuff on my website, etc. If you wanted to go and check that out. Um, are there any questions before we finish up? No, thank you. Thanks, Nikisa. Thanks, Catherine. Um, I hope you got something out of it. If, again, if there are any questions or you think of something later on that you'd like to know more about, please feel free to send me an email or, um, or yeah, SMS or whatever it might be. Thanks very much for your time. Sure. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.